Hello, welcome everybody. It's this week's Super Six podcast, and actually, it's a very special one because it is the last. It's the one. last one. LW. It's, it's the, the last one. How many is this? Like forty in that? I think it's one hundred and seventy-nine. Oh, <laughs> gee, it's the last one. This this journey and this ride has been. Been epic, yeah. Do you remember at the beginning when we couldn't get through a single script? I and, know. And now we're like, we don't even need these scripts. We're good get rid now. of them. We're actually we're, we're actually broadcasters now. I've got to say <laughs> this off you though. I've got to say this just before we get into it, like and that. And I've said this a few times, but you know how much I've learned off of you here. And there's a few oh. times when they've said, "Hey, listen, B, you're gonna have to do this by yourself." And <laughs> you know the funny thing is where, I honestly, and everybody that you work with have has said this. You make it so easy. No. I, I promise you, you make it so easy where there's a level of calmness. So when I know you're beside me, and be it 40 Wi-Fi or whatever, <laughs> like when I know you're beside me and we're together, and this is, I'm, I swear to you, there's such a level of calmness. So I don't even have to look at my script, but I know you're there. So oh. I'll be able to bounce with you. So hey, I'm, for me, thank you for this, LW. Look, I always knew I'd, I'd ride with you, but... This was so, this was dope. I swear oh, to you, like, real talk. Like, um, last one, but it was dope. It was dope. It was dope. Don't make me emotional. No, I'm such dope. a wimp. Dope. Thank you. That, honestly, that's really, that's the loveliest thing anyone's said to me. No, <laughs> come on, now. You're doing it, it on a regular, like. No, but, but no. You. But you know how I feel about it. I love the, I love working with you. I love these podcasts. It's just, it's amazing. And we've had so many, like, when I think about the guests, like, I know. We've had so many great guests, haven't I we? I know. We can't I pick know. a favourite because the problem is, what we'll do is we'll pick a favourite and then we'll see someone else. And they'll go, oh yeah, I yeah, it. exactly. So yeah, not the favorite anymore. No, no, oh, we right, just got to okay. keep it neutral. We've had, just, I'm just telling you, and it's got, you know, like anything, you can mm. see how it's just gotten better and better, and the energy has just gotten yeah. better and better. And I won't say the guests have gotten better, but the guests is oh, just guests are great. Added to it. They were dope. They yeah. were sick. They were, they were, they were decent. Man. Declan Rice, by the way, <laughs> that's your video. I think he's amazing. Okay, right. Um, I know that we've all been busy watching football, and hasn't it been amazing? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. We're only really into the... We're just getting into the second games now, aren't we? Yeah. Match day number two sort of thing. And I'm so I'm so excited to have proper tournament football back. So you going? Are you going to the, the yeah. game? I'm going on you Friday. I'm face, going, I'm going, Look, I'm going. So for all this, listen, people, for all this nonsense she's saying how tight we are, she got two tickets and I'm not a plus one. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. And she's not working on a domestic. She's going there for fun. No, huh? I'm huh? Not, I don't have two tickets. I've, I've been invited by someone else. Oh, so, so like, you're somebody's plus one. Yeah, I, it's, oh. a, it's a it's a, um, a work thing. So like I got it through work. They were like, I've, I've been good this year, so here's your reward. It's uh, like having a gold star. It's uh, like come okay. to the game, uh, all that then. sort of stuff. So I yeah, I can't, I can't wait. Where are you going to watch it? Um, I watched it, the fellas. So last, actually, the last game I watched by myself. Um, had my little den and that. Oh, yeah, you kicked everyone yeah, out, Yeah, yeah, dope But then this Friday, I'm, I'm watching it with the fellas. You've got the boys over. Yeah, I've got the boys. Proper, yeah, proper setup. Excellent. Do you cook as well? No. No? no, no do you get it in? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You got to. It's got to be like finger food and that. Like when you're I know, I just, the, I like the, the idea of you in a barbecue with a pinny on, just like making everything. No, no, see, I'm different. I'm the diva then. Like, if they're going to do the barbecue, <laughs> the man that did the barbecue, hey, the chicken's not ready yet. <laughs> And you drink. <laughs> that's how I. Am. That's how I see it. I just had it in my mind. Don't ruin it. Just pretend. Just lie about that's it. How we do it. Okay, we've got an amazing guest this week, and I know that this is very special for you yeah. because John Barnes is coming. Jeez. Right? Oi, do you know what? I've said this um, before, innit? Like, there's only two people that I needed to meet that I just need to meet, and then I don't care about anything else. That's Will Smith and John Barnes. I've ticked everybody else off now. Like John Barnes has been in my book. One of the reasons why. Um, I started playing football um, 
I can remember his goal and he's the reason why I support Liverpool. And of all the people I've met for all the football, like he's he worked under Kenny Jacket. That was my manager on two different occasions. Said he would hook me up. He'd be like, oh yeah, I'll call him. Never did, by the way, <laughs> Kenny. Um, Kenny. So, so yeah, this is, I'm, I'm very excited to this. Let's get it now. <laughs> Right, before we meet him, I've got something to tell you about. So last week, the Super 6 jackpot was £100,000 and no one won it. So it's rolled over, essentially. So this week, it's £200,000. And as it's the penultimate week, if no one wins it this week, next week, it's £300,000. So, so potentially a lot of money. So it rolls, it stops at 300000 That's it, yeah. Oh, OK, yeah. stops yeah, at 300000 Let's enter. Shall we? I'm not going to lie to you, you have 300 k Yo, come on, baby. I'm going to go and enter as well. Um, more on that later. Me and Bayer will go and enter it ourselves. Um, but before we do, should we go meet John Barnes? Come on. Invite friends to join Super 6 through Refer a Friend and you could win an extra £25,000 if they win the jackpot. You could invite as many as you like for a bigger chance of winning. Download the app today. Head to skysports.com forward slash Super 6 for more details. A very warm welcome to this week's guest. It is, of course, the legend that is Mr. John Barnes. Hello, John. Hi, guys. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, let me just get my point. Let, let me just get it out of the way. Let me just get it out of the way. Let me just get it out of the way. <laughs> All right, first, this is the first time I'm interacting with you. So I don't know if you know, yeah, but see, you're the one, first, the reason why I support Liverpool and you're like one of the reasons why I got into football. So I'm going to have to salute you highly. So today is a big day for me. So welcome. Well, you must brother. be old. If you can remember me playing football and you, I'm the reason I'm, why I'm you old, must be old. Hey, well, I'm, old I'm oldish. I'm oldish. Yeah, you're not as old as me, but you're oldish. <laughs> he's certifiably old. <laughs> All right, welcome. All right, welcome. So I just want to put out there, um, listen, you're, you're, you're that guy. Like everybody keeps asking why I support Liverpool the way I support Liverpool. And I can remember about, I think I was seven. So I think you signed for Liverpool 86 or... 87. 87. All right. So I must yeah. have been... So I was five. So about seven, I can remember. And at that time, and nobody will remember, but I, I emulated my game on you. I used to dribble. I, I don't play nothing like you now, but back then, I, I emulated my game on you. So... You still right. play like me. I've seen it. All right. Nah, nah. <laughs> well, like, listen, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen you pin and spin. Come on now. <laughs> All right. Welcome. It's, it's good. It's good. All right. So I've got, I've got it out of the way. I've got it out of the way. I've I, got it out of the way. I wish you could see his face right now because it's kind of like you've gone back to... You've regressed you to a 10-year-old. Played, you could have played... In my era, I can tell you, because we like players like you back when I played. I, miss, I was meant to play. I was meant to be either in the Gladiators, you know what I'm saying? I was meant yeah. to play, uh, be in that era, or yeah. back in the day, yeah. I'm telling you, Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. Jeez, I mean, now, if you're, imagine you're 21 years old now, the red and yellow card you'd be getting oh, now. It'll be, it'll be peak. <laughs> it'll be done for me. <laughs> okay, right. So, John, let's start this off then, because it's a, a big week, really, in terms of the world of football. Everyone's watching. The Euros has kicked off. Everyone's got that tournament football feel at the moment. And uh, up until maybe like two hours ago, we had brilliant sunshine and it was wonderful. Now it's tipping it down. It feels a little bit more like England, but massive game. Football weekend. weather. But it's, it's you're right, you're right. Weather. It is. Football it's weather. Not, and a proper football game coming up. England against Scotland. We've waited a long time for this to be back at Wembley for these kind of circumstances. Well, how does it make you feel ahead of, ahead of that game in particular? Well, you know, when, um, when, in, in the old days, you were playing against your teammates. You were playing against, if you played for a top team in England, we had top Scottish players. So as much as it's a little bit like the Liverpool-Everton derby, which is really for the fans. Mm. You know, the fans are the ones who get really riled up. Even back then, it was about the fans. But also because if you were playing against Terry Butcher, Gary Stevens, Trevor Stevens, who played 
for Glasgow Rangers. They'll be playing against their teammates who played for Glasgow Rangers and played for Scotland and they're playing for England. Alan Hansen, Stephen Nicol, um, Kenny Dalgleish. So therefore, it's it had a, a much bigger rivalry on the pitch. Whereas now, apart from Tierney um, and Andy Robertson, you don't really have that dynamic of you playing against your teammates. So for me now, it's more about the fans. Equally, they were equally as good as England in terms of the ability they had as players and as a team. Whereas I think in the last eight, nine years, you can see that the England team are better than the Scottish team in terms of player for player. So therefore, it's much harder now for Scotland to compete. As much as it's still a huge game and the fans are going to drive them on and the occasion will drive them on, it is, it is one where I think England should comfortably deal with. So how good do you think this England team is? This England team is very good. Um, I would like them to have more experience because we've got lots of good young players. But if you look at France with Kante at 29-30, Pogba at 28, Griezmann, Mbappe is young. But then, you know, they, they have lots of experience mixed with youth. Um, the Italians probably have too much experience. Chiellini and Benucci are like mid-30s. <laughs> Belgium have got experience. Whereas we have a lot of young players and our experienced players, be it Harry Kane or, you know, they, they don't have much experience. So while we have got good young players, I'd like the balance to us to have a few... 28, 29, 30, 31, 32-year-old players with good experience. So the, the future is good for England because we've got great potential. But this has been happening since 2014 when we had good young players. In 2018, we had good young players. We don't really have that experience. But in terms of the way they're actually playing, a good balance with Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in midfield, it was a great performance against Croatia. So I expect England to go um, to the semifinals uh, and possibly go on even further. But for me, Belgium and France, look, France particularly with the strength they have, of not having a lot of possession against Germany, but they can deal with it. You know, they've got good, strong players, defensive players, good going forward with Mbappe and Benzema and Griezmann and Pogba and then Kante and Rabiot in midfield. So they look the best team to me, France. All right, so then would you say a success in this tournament for England would be getting to the latter stages in the view of building for the future or have, like you said, we've been saying for 2014 that potential, potential, potential. When does potential kick into actually here and now and winning? Or and So on your viewpoint of it? Well, potential doesn't necessarily lead to winning. Potential leads to maximising your potential, which means that if these young players can grow in the next three, four years and then become better with experience, that still doesn't mean that they should win the World Cup in the next time because France will have good players and so does, you know, Belgium. And of course, you can look at Spain and Germany. They still have good players as well. What you should do is you should look at the team and say, what should this team do? Look at them player for player. And also, not just player for player, look at the balance of the team. Because as much as we have Rashford and Sancho and Sterling and Mount and Grealish and Kane, lots of good attacking players, are our defence particularly strong? Do we have good defensive midfield players? So therefore, as much as we're looking at Rice and Phillips, they haven't necessarily got that experience of a Kante and a Rabiot and a Pogba. So I don't think we've got the balance right. We've got lots of good attacking players, but I don't think we have the balance right. So even when we maximise our potential, that doesn't mean that we should win because we maximise the potential. But at this moment in time, the bookies aren't stupid. We may be the third or fourth favourite, which means we should get to the semi-finals. And with a bit of luck, yes, we can win. But if we get to the semi-finals against France and we play as well as we can and France play as well as they can, France will win. Mm. But what we're hoping is for us to play as well as we can and for France not to play as well as they can or Belgium or Germany, then under those circumstances, we could win. So all we should demand from this team is to maximise the potential, which for me means getting to the semi-finals. And if we, with a bit of luck, we can go further. But if not, you can't ask any more of them. Who do you love watch playing? Like because it's quite when we when we talk about who we enjoy watching, there are so many individuals in that side, and probably like you say, more of the attacking players that we get excited about. Who do you love watching play in that team? Well, if it was one aside football, I'd love watching Jack Grealish or, <laughs> or Phil Foden. 
if you're playing one against one. <laughs> uh, but I look at it from the point of view of, of the balance of the team and how well the team plays. So, of course, you looked at France the other day, and while Germany had over 60% possession, mm-hmm. France didn't look in trouble because playing is also playing without the ball. You know, so looking at it from a professional perspective, it's great if you can say we love Neymar and Messi and just watching great, great players. I look at it from a different perspective to say what is the balance of the team and how do they perform as a team in and out of possession? If I had to choose a team which I enjoyed watching more than any, any team from that perspective, it'll be Belgium because I think they've got great individual attacking players. They play a great brand of football. So, but I don't necessarily think they'll win, but that's the team I enjoy watching more than any other. Could you see Lukaku, because obviously a couple of goals in his opening game and there's there's lots of rumours around where Lukaku might be playing his football next season. Could you see him coming back to the Premier League? Do you think if he did, it would work? It does, depending on what team he goes to. Mm. Because, of course, I always say, look at the team that you go to in terms of when it suits your football rather than it being a big club. That's why I never yeah. thought that Eden Hazard should have gone to Real Madrid. Mm. At Chelsea, where he was a superstar... And he did whatever he wanted. He, he, he ran back when he wanted. He went anywhere he wanted and that was accepted. That's not going to be accepted at Real Madrid. That's why with Jack Grealish, he has to be careful because Aston Villa suits him down to the ground. If he goes to Manchester United, then there's Pogba and there's Fernandes. And he's not going to be the superstar player that he is that can do whatever he wants. So Lukaku has to come back to the right team. And a team who really wants him to be the focal point up front, to get hold of the ball, playing it to people, getting in the box to do what he does. Um, he has to be careful what team he comes to. All right, so would you say, just touching on that Lukaku stuff, um, do you think the media over here will be a deterrence for him coming back? Just, listen, it's not like I overly watch the media in Italy, I'm not going to lie, but of course, because he's not, because he's in Italy, I don't hear or see as much negative about him. So, of course, when you hear, it's everything, it's it's intrusive, it's good, bad or indifferent. So do you think that will play a part in, or do you think he's matured enough now just to be able to... um, Handle it. Handle it, if you know what I mean. Not yeah, well, sure, well, the, character, the character is important. Character is important. And, and he is quite introverted. He's quite shy. Um, I think he has grown. Uh, because, of course, going to score goals in Italy is the hardest place to score goals, not in England, yeah. because the Italian defenders are so good. So that would have given him confidence when he got criticised here for maybe not scoring enough goals. If you can score the goals he scores in Italy, he will score the goals here in the right team. So I think more than the, more than the media... I think it's going to be more looking at the team. Because if you go to the right team to create chances for him, he will score goals and the media will leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the important thing. Not necessarily just to come back for the money or for coming back sake or handling the media because the media are going to be unkind to you or kind to you. It's more to do with, will he find the right team, which would mean that he will score goals. And if you score goals, the media is on your side. Do you think that team could be Chelsea again? I'm not sure because it's a little bit like when you talk about Harry Kane. Um, Harry Kane, for me, going to Man United will be better than going to Man City. Because when, if you look at the way Harry Kane plays for Tottenham, he's not only the goal scorer, he's the creator. He does whatever he wants and he creates for Son and him and Son are the main attacking thread. Whereas for Man City, you've got De Bruyne, you've got other players, you've got Foden, you've got Sterling. So therefore, he will just be the focal point to score goals. So I don't think he'll do as well. He will score goals, but he won't create as many. He won't be the same player, but he may win things. Whereas for Man United, I think they need a centre forward, so that will suit him. So... Um, would Chelsea be the right team for Lukaku? I think it possibly could because they really, it hasn't worked out for Vernon in that position. They haven't really got a centre forward. They, they've decided that Tammy Abraham is not the one for them. Mm. So I think in terms of the creativity that they have with Havertz and Mount and Werner, they really need a focal point up front to score goals. And I think that the way they actually play would, would suit him. So that, that, that could be, as to whether, because it hasn't worked at Chelsea, so therefore psychologically he has so-called failed there. So going back there, there would be added pressure 
rather than going to another club whereby he started from a clean slate. But I think from a footballing perspective, Chelsea could suit him. Yeah, um, We've digressed a little bit because obviously we want to talk about the Euros, but I do find these things fascinating, especially yeah, yeah. that the market this summer is going to be very different, isn't it? So we'll see what happens. But um, going back to all these players, I mean, you just mentioned Mason Mount there, um, what he's managed to achieve this season at Chelsea, Champions League, all those other players that are involved now in the squad that have gone on to do great things this season. And we talk about these these players that have, um, I suppose, shone in, in their international shirts, you know, put that England shirt on and, and taken the opportunities. How different do you think the team might be for the Scotland game? And, and if you were in charge, would you make those changes or would you try and keep that team together and get more experience? Well, first of all, the good thing about England is that they're adaptable. That is why people like Ben White and Rhys James have been in the team because, or the squad, because they can play in different positions. And because Gareth, I'm not sure whether he knows whether he wants to play um, three at the back, four at the back. So therefore, you need players who are adaptable. Ben White can actually play as a holding midfield player at times or wide of a back three. Rhys James can also do the same. Carl Walker can. So the adaptability works in our favour. The only, the only surprise I had at, at, against Croatia was obviously Kieran Trippier. But of mm. course, I think defensively and from an experience point of view, we'd rather have him there in a back four, which means that he's good defensively, but you don't get much going forward from him. But against Scotland, where you're going to have all the possession, you're going to really, Scotland would defend deep and you'd have to drive forward. I would think that that's a change in terms of Chilwell or Luke Shaw coming in. The only other thing that was a possibility against Croatia was, was, was Rashford instead of Foden. And that still is a, a possibility now. But I think he's settled on the two holding midfield players, which I would do as well. But I think his team will be decided in terms of the positions further forward as to whether he plays a back three or a back four. So if he plays a back three, he'll play with two wing backs, attacking wing backs, beat Reese James and and um, Ben Chilwell or, or Luke Shaw. Under those circumstances, you definitely will have two holding midfield players, which will be Rice and Phillips or Rice and Henderson. Um, but then if you play a back four, you want three midfield players. So the question as to these three midfield players are still going to be Rice and Henderson or Rice and Phillips. But do you have a Mason Mount as one of the three? Do you have a Jack Grealish as one of the three? And I think you'll have Mason Mount. Because Mason Mount will drop back into a defensive three to work hard, whereas Jack Grealish really is a number 10 who goes forward. Now, a number 10 who goes forward, if you're going to have Kane, Sterling and Foden or Kane, Sterling and Rashford and Grealish, who really isn't a defensive type of a player, you may come under pressure in midfield. Not against Scotland, because Scotland won't give you those problems. But moving forward, that, that could be a possibility. Gareth has got so many options and so many players who can fit into that. But I think he's really settled on the fact now that he really wants two holding midfield players. And you can then think about who, whether you play Foden or Rashford or Grealish or, or, or Mount. All right, two questions for me. One, do you start Grealish against Scotland? And second, how highly do you... Because the talk about Grealish now, is, 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 the hype is real. So... How highly do you rate Grealish? So I gave you two questions. I think, well, first of all, as an individual player, I rate him very highly. Um, I don't necessarily feel that he, if he went to Manchester United, he'd do the same thing. Because if he goes to Manchester United and he is the number one playmaker, the number 10, who everything goes through at Aston Villa, what are you going to do with Fernandes? What are you going to do with Pogba? What are you going to do with other players who are, at this moment in time, ahead of him in those stakes? So would that be the right move for him? As to whether you would start him, it really depends on the formation. If he plays a back four, and a midfield three, you could possibly start him. If he plays a back three with wing backs, then I won't necessarily start him. So it really depends on, and I think Gareth's thinking is really, first of all, how am I going to play at the back? And then he looked to pit the pieces in further forward. So I think Greenish playing depends on whether he plays a back four or not. And if he played a back four, he could possibly play him as one of the midfield three, not one of the front three. But if he plays a, a back three and wing backs, as he may do, 
Um, I don't think that the, then you start with Grealish. Because don't forget, Sterling is fantastic. So is Mount. So is Foden. So to then say that Grealish is ahead of them, that's not necessarily true. Uh, yeah, that's why. That's why I wanted to know. So I wanted to know that, and that's what it is. I'm not. I wanted to know. Do you feel because the hype's real about Grealish? So you know, yeah. on you, you see it that the hype's real, and of course, Julie Soul. You know what I'm saying? What he's done for Aston Villa, and every time he's put on an England shirt, like he's yeah. done his thing. So, and you know what? You touched on if he went to United, you know, it'd be probably behind Pogba, Fernandez. So I'm saying, do you think he could surpass them if he went to United? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. Because I don't think he's really... Listen, he's had a fantastic season, but you have to look at a period of time to see you doing this regularly week in, week out. And maybe he does it at Villa because Villa suits him. Because you look at Matt Letizier at Southampton, and I don't necessarily think Matt could have gone to a Liverpool or a Man United and done it there because that suited him. They suited his character. Because I've seen Jack play, and he's a fantastic player, but you don't get much discipline from him defensively, holding his position. And when you play for top clubs, that's what you have to do, unless you're a Messi or Ronaldo, which at this moment time isn't. Do, do you not think, because he hasn't gone to the elite, do you not think, once he gets to elite and he knows what is demanded from him, do you not think then, oh, well, you know what, you can't just rely on going forward. It's about the team. Do you know what I'm saying? So you know when you go and you be like, raw, but I've got to fix up. I can't just do what I was doing in yeah. the lower, you know, So and that's just what I'm throwing there. Yeah, but we don't know whether he's like that. Yeah, yeah. We're assuming that once he knows, he'll do it. Wilfred Zaha went to Man United. The Wilfred is similar. Wilfred will suit a club like Crystal Palace, whereby you can do what you want. You can lose the ball. You don't have to chase back. You can play in any position. The fans are going to appreciate you. Now, when you go to a top club, it's easy to say that you will know your responsibility. You'll automatically switch around to do that. We don't know whether he's that kind of a person uh, yeah. because he's not a 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old anymore who you can actually nurture and influence and, and coach. Maybe he's set in his race. I don't know. That's why I'm saying be careful. Look at Eden Hazard. He can go to, to Real Madrid with all his experience and translate the discipline, the positional requirements, the humility, the fact that you have to work defensively because that didn't suit him. That's not who he is. Now, maybe that is Jack, but we don't know. I would be really fascinated to see if it were someone like a, a Manchester City who the rumours are they're, they're interested in him, whether it would be um, a great match for Pep Guardiola to be the one to to get those lessons into Jack Grealish and say, look, if you're going to come to Manchester City, this is what is required of you. Because you're right, it will be completely different because Jack Grealish and, and Aston Villa, he is he's the king there, isn't he? He's the captain, everything. He's the linchpin and everything works around him. So then you're right going to a different club where you're not suddenly the, the focal point for everything and you almost have to fall in line. It, it can make or break a player, I suppose. Yeah, but the problem with that is that is that the Jack Grealish you want? If you want a Jack Grealish yeah. to come and just be a disciplined player, to just stay in a position and, and, and to be part of the team, mm. you don't get Jack Grealish, you know. But if he goes to Man City, when you've got De Bruyne and Jack Grealish isn't a Kevin De Bruyne, you've got a Foden, you've got players to do that. Why get Jack Grealish if he's not going to do what he does for Aston Villa? So a team who wants him also has to understand that we want him to come to my club because we need a player like this to help us to improve. No point getting him and then saying we've got Foden, we've got De Bruyne, we've got all the players, Bernardo Silva, so therefore we want you to just be a hardworking up and down player. You don't get him. So that's why, as well as as well as well he has to go to the right club, the right club has to understand that if you get Jack Grealish, you have to want him to do for Villa 
exactly what he does for you, what he does for Villa. And do Man City need a player like that? So I agree. And this is how I know I'm getting older because I'm seeing <laughs> things through a manager's point of view rather than just a player's point of view. But don't you think on both aspects, so look, we've interviewed a lot of Leeds players and you know sometimes you feel like, and I've had it, I we'll talk about Kenny Jacket. I thought I was fit. You know, I was like, yeah, man, no, nah, man, I do much. And then he had me doing this pyramid run. I'm thinking, right, but this is Well, he came from Graham Taylor and Watford with me, mate. I tell you what, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so you I'd know when in your head managers know how to be able to say well look Jack I've, you think that you're the complete player let me tell you something I'm now going to push you onto the next level so I agree in the sense where you can't get Jack Grealish and just start saying listen you're box to box now but you got to be like listen I'm adding this d- dynamic and this element into your game to take you from the Aston Villas to the United so don't you think on that side of it is when you go to the cities, like Pep looks like, I, I don't know, but Pep looks like he doesn't play. He's like, look, it's my way or no way. So we <laughs> work. Mm-hmm. So you come yeah. here, you've got all the ability. That's that's cool. But we work to be able to fit you in a team. So do, don't you think that balance is right there as well? But when you're talking about Sterling, Foden, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, and then Jack Grealish, <laughs> you know, and you've got to send a forward, then, then, then you'll have one holding midfield player. I think that someone like Kelvin Phillips would be better suited to Man City because they need a player like that to replace Fernandinho. Yeah, 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 I get that. You know what I mean? I'll so get, no, I'll get, get that. So just to get Jack Greenish because he's like uh, a De Bruyne, you can't, you, you're not going to play all of them. So to then get him to then say you have to do something different because he can't do the same things that he does for Villa because no one else does it for Villa. So in many respects, Doug, Douglas Luiz going back to Man City for me would be, make more sense when Fernandinho is getting older to play alongside one of the holding midfield players. Mm. So Jack, Jack has to decide and the clubs have to decide whether he can improve them going forward in their creativity. Man City don't necessarily need improving creativity. They need to improve defensively and defensive midfield players. Man United, similar with the players they have. Um, Arsenal, they also have that, that. I think Tottenham could be a, a Carl, team. We'd great, love but I don't think Tottenham have those players. <laughs> I think oh, we'll have them at Liverpool as well. Yeah, a lot of teams just no, 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 no. Listen, listen. We want our three midfield players to be like Gini Winaldo. No, no, or listen, one of the front three. But yeah, but squad like, wise uh, as well, though. You know, I just think we need to elevate the squad a little bit as well. That's just what I'm trying to get at here. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what? But Klopp wouldn't. Klopp is not a really should not a Klopp type of a player. No, Klopp I get doesn't that, put I up get with that, that kind I, of I, stuff. I, I'm, no. this is, I'm just dreaming out here. You know what I'm saying? So let me ask you. So when you went from Watford to Liverpool. Was that the shift? And I'm not saying that you was a luxury player at Watford, but that's but, what he said. Basically. You know, no, I'm just oh. saying, I'm just saying, you ran stuff at Watford. You was that guy <laughs> in it, you know. No, 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 no. Have you not spoken to Kenny Jacket? No, he, he told me. Responsibility at Watford God. was to work hard and run. That was it. Oh, so I never that. went to Liverpool. I never went to Liverpool as a superstar player. I cost nine hundred thousand pounds, and it worked out. But I worked there because Liverpool saw how hard I worked. Of course, you had Russian, that Leach, and you had great players. So I wasn't there as the superstar. Even if it may have turned out that I started to do well. Yeah, you're the superstar, man. Let the world know you're the superstar, brother. Come on. No, 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 no. No, not when I went. No no one expected me to do what I did. Peter Bearsley, he was a £1.6 million player. He was the one who went there to be the replacement for Kenny Dalglish. It turned out that things worked out for me, but I didn't go there to be the superstar player. I went there to be part of a team and they saw that I could work hard. I'd get crosses for John Aldridge. Russia's gone. We have to change the way we played. No, those days were gone. Those days weren't like that back then. When he had a, a young player going there to be a superstar. I say that, and I wish you, I wish you, I wish you. We grind, we grind, we grind. Okay, I actually want to talk. I want to talk a little bit more about your career, actually, um, John, because what I want to go through is a goal, 1984 against Brazil. Talk us through this. So there'll be lots of young listeners younger than me, far younger than all of us, who won't have seen this and, and who won't have been able to enjoy that time of football. So tell us what happened about Brazil, against Brazil, and tell us about that goal. 
But it was the end of the season. The Brazilians wanted to be on holiday. They were a bit drunk, so I think they just thought somebody will tackle him. So I did what I did. Look, look, it was a great moment. No, you're, you know. you're playing uh, it down. No, play it down, man. It Don't, down. No, I won't allow One you second. to. I won't allow you to play it down. Ryan Giggs scored a goal in the semi-final against Arsenal. Oh, you remember the FA that? Cup, oh, yeah. From the halfway line, Take yeah? That's off. an FA it's Cup whereby this means that they've gone down to 10 men. The Brazilians put in a woeful defensive attempt to try and stop me because I think Leonardo was the first one and he was like, I want to be on the Copacabana beach. Who wants to be here? <laughs> um, and then Moser and, you know, Junior right at the end. So it was great to score that goal. But there's no player who scores a goal like that, Ryan Giggs included, who means to do that when he gets the ball. The first thing you do when you get the ball is look to pass. If you can't see anyone to pass to, you beat a player. Then he looked to pass. And because I couldn't see anyone to pass to, I just kept going. What actually made the goal, if you look at it again, and it didn't feel as good as it looked because it was like it was like having an out-of-body experience whereby I'm kind of like hoping to pass to somebody, I'm dribbling, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Mm. And just as I was about to shoot at the, at the edge of the box, Tony Woodcock made a run across. Now, as I'm about to shoot, which I was going to do after beating one player, if I shot, I would have kicked Tony Woodcock because he came running across me. <laughs> so because, and if you look at him, you'll see Tony Woodcock jump out the way because thinking I'm going to shoot. And because if I shot, I would hit him. I couldn't shoot. So I chopped it inside, wanting to shoot. And by the time I chopped it inside, two other Brazilian players were on the floor. So I never really meant to do it. So I know I'm kind of like doing myself down and I'm not being, and I am being 100% serious. Um, <laughs> it happened so quickly that I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? That's great, though. That's no, the best no, thing. No, it is. Because I was going to say... It looked like, good, though, didn't it? Because like, really that was one of the first goals I can remember. Like, of course, as I've gotten... Um, I, I weren't... I was two when you scored it. But one of the first goals I can remember. And I just remember, you know, the white shirt dribbling through yellow. And I'm thinking, but English players don't normally dribble. That's mm. not what... And I just remember him going, going, going and tapping it. And it was just... And it's funny because I've dribbled like very early in my career, in it, And in your head, you're thinking, hey, man, let, let, let me, it looks good now. If I pass it off now, it completes. And you keep going, you keep going. But when it hit the back of the net, so just do you feel like, not that you're disappointed that it wasn't a competitive game. Uh, does that take any of the, 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 the gloss of it, that it was just a friendly? Well, not in terms of the fact that it was in the Maracana Stadium. I love Brazil. Growing up in Jamaica, we love Brazilian football. The Maracana Stadium alongside Wembley is the home of football. Pele scored his thousand goal there. So just to even play there, beat a friendly, um, it would have been great because I remember Maradona's goal in 86, quarterfinals, and he dribbled from the halfway line. So, of course, if it's a competitive match, it'll, it'll probably mean more because, of course, you're going to win something rather than it being a friendly. But, I mean, it doesn't take, the, it doesn't take away from the, the, magnitude, the magnitude of it. But um, you were talking about dribbling then. I don't think anyone is, and maybe when you're young, when I was young playing in school, I would dribble and it didn't matter. I would not pass or want to dribble all the time. But I don't think anybody scored a goal by dribbling who actually, when they get the ball on the halfway line, thinks I'm just going to dribble until I score and lose the ball. You look to pass. You look to pass. I'm just going to do it myself. It's funny when you mention like like the colours. So you know, like when you're young and and your memories are actually not so much teams, but their colours and and incidents like that, you know, like shirts and things like that. Because I always think that about the 1998 final, France against Brazil. I always Mm. remember sitting in a tiny little front room with all my family and my friends around and and remembering the colours from that competition and just yeah. so vibrant, you know, the France and the Brazils. And because I'm an Arsenal fan, the, the Arsenal players that were in that French side, that just, it stays in my memory for such a long time. 
and it, all of those little things you you pick out. So when you're younger, like you say, by it's not you know like I wasn't born till eighty eighty seven. So a lot of the really old school things you you weren't even old enough to enjoy. You weren't even born to enjoy them. So you go back and pick those little things out. Um, another World Cup I want to talk to you about is the nineteen eighty six one. Again, I wasn't born. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but but this one especially. Um, Sir Bobby Robson. So ultimately, were you born in eighty seven, Laura? I was born in eighty seven. Yeah. You might have been conceived then, though. Hey, possibly. Maybe it was in celebration. What month? <laughs> what, what, what month? July. No, a little bit too late, maybe. No, it's a little bit too late. Your, your dad was thinking about it. Give us another go, and I'll ask him. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, this went ruthless. It really did, didn't it? Do you know what? There's a great You're story. Telling us about your mum and dad's sex life. <laughs> well, I, well I, I'll tell you about somebody else's. There's a great story about a guy I went to school with who was conceived nine months exactly um obviously it was his dad's birthday nine months before he was born <laughs> so the day he was conceived was, was the his day, dad's birthday it's amazing every year we used to laugh about it right anyway let's go back to this 1986 perhaps i was being conceived a, a little bit earlier a little bit later than that i'm not really sure um but it's uh quarterfinal time so bobby robson didn't use you until this point, 15 minutes left to go, trailing 2-0 against Argentina. You set up a goal for Gary Lineker. What do you remember the most about that game? And, and tell us about that moment. Well, first of all, the World Cup. I mean, listen, when you get the opportunity to go to a World Cup, particularly in a footballing country, and Mexico is, believe me, as much as Mexico may not be a big international team who may win things, the country is football mad. And I remember the Mexico World Cup from 1970. And I love playing in a World Cup whereby it's a proper footballing country where the whole country um, bites into it. Mm. So, of course, I'm now in the World Cup. Uh, I haven't been on the pitch once. I haven't played. Viv Anderson has been to two World Cups and not played. How do you feel part of the team mm. if you don't even play in the World Cup as much as you're there? So you yeah. want to get on the pitch. You want to get on the pitch. So, of course, I hadn't been on the pitch at all. And, of course, by the time the Argentina game comes along and we're now 2-0 down and I'm still not on the pitch, I'm saying to myself, we're going home and I'm not even played. So when he says get warmed up with 15 minutes to go, I was just so excited. I didn't even think about, well, it doesn't matter if I fall over, if I don't do well, I'm going to play in a World Cup. Obviously, I went to 1990 as well. But as far as I'm concerned, this may be the only World Cup I'm going to go. Yeah. So because I was so excited to even be on the pitch, I didn't think about the score. I didn't think about anything else. So when I went on, I played with with, 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 with no fear, no, no inhibitions, really because I was just so happy to be playing. Now, when people look at that and they say, if you had started, you know, it would have been different. That's not true. Because had I started, I may have fallen over after the first two minutes. I may have lost confidence. I could have been taken off and we could have been 4-0 down. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't follow that because I played well and created the goal and then created another chance meant that had I started, we would have won. I don't think he would have won either way because my favourite player in the world ever is Diego Maradona. And that year, he was unstoppable. I think if Gary Lineker scored that second where I put it across and he just missed it, Maradona would have done something. You saw the goal against Belgium in the semi-final. He was just incredible. And I don't think anything could have stopped him in that World Cup. Uh, it's nice that I came on, I did what I did and people said he should have been starting and if you had only started, he would have won. I don't think that's the case. What was he like up close, Maradona? He was incredible. Incredible. And he's a real football man because, you know, even when you meet him and he meets other footballers, he met players from lower divisions. He would love that because, he, you know, he doesn't like people. He doesn't like press. He doesn't like a lot of people. But when he, he's a real football person. And, um, you know, um, the big man there will tell you that that's what it's all about. The brotherhood of football yeah. is not about the Premier League players being superior to the lower division players. A football family is when we're all as one. And for Maradona to really have that love of footballers at all levels shows what a great man he is. As much as he's a bit of a lunatic, you know, like mm -hmm. Gaza, but of course, you know, he's a real humble guy when it comes to football and, and being part of the football family. 
All right, so you know you did a... I just want to know your mindset at that time. Um, so you, you know you're there, haven't touched a pitch, still you're losing 2-0, and you know your ability, you know, your mindset, was it like, raw oh, gaffer, I, I beg, like, <laughs> big beyond, like, you know, or was it just like, listen, like, it's a World Cup, I'm just happy to be here. So what was your mind frame, especially going into that last, I'm not, listen, we know about the last 15 minutes because you said it, but I just want to know your general mindset of going into a World Cup and ain't touched the, ain't touched the pitch and then you're thinking, like, well, what's the story? My mindset from when I was growing up as a young man and my father talked to me about he's a colonel in the army, it's about discipline and respect and humility. And if you're in a team sport, um, it is all about the team. And that is what happened when I went to Watford with Graham Taylor and working with Kenny Jackett, he'll tell you the exact same thing. So these were my influences. So as much as I felt I should be playing, of course, but I understood the manager the job to do. He feels that this is the right thing to do. And the only reason he's doing this is because he thinks this is the right thing for the team. It's not personal. So I've always felt that. So I never had any issue with any manager playing me or not playing me. I would never go out and say, I'm better than my teammates. I should be playing as much as I have confidence in myself. So um, 1990 was the same thing. When I got injured and I was supposed to be there as a superstar, but I got injured early in the World Cups, I didn't perform. I was so happy to be part of the squad because my team were doing well. And that's the essence of what team is. That's the essence of what success is. So other players may have been disappointed and been angry because I'm not playing and I should be playing, but I never felt that. I did feel I should be playing and I felt I should have been playing instead of other players, but I would never let that affect my mindset that when I got an opportunity yeah, yeah. to then be bitter and disappointed and even after the game to then be angry that I didn't start and I should have started. Not at all. I never had that mindset at all. I was just happy to be to be part of the squad. Dope, dope. Can, can I ask as well, your final game, so your final game for England um, was a friendly, a nil-nil friendly at Wembley. Was this against Colombia? Yeah. And was this the game with the Scorpion? With Oh my God. Oh, wow, yeah. was it? Yeah. This was it, yeah. wasn't it? So th that's I one think, of those. I think that's why they dropped me because they thought he was better than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, again, if, if people haven't seen this, Rene Higuita basically was. Um, he was in goal. He's a goalkeeper. Uh, saved a goal, literally a scorpion kick. So his legs go back over the top of his head and saves it like that. And it was. It's, a, it's one of those ones that if you haven't seen it, it's go iconic, and watch it on YouTube. You know, it, sound, it sounds it sounds great, Laura. Jamie Redknapp went to play a, 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 a ball <laughs> over the top and he miskicked it. So it went straight to the goalkeeper. In fact, the referee blew for offside. That's what I so thought. Running through was offside. I was going to so ask that. knew it was offside. I don't think he would have done it had he not. Yeah, I was going to ask that to be fair. Did but I hear the referee blow? Individually, I remember, because I've spoken to Jamie Redknapp about this before as well. And individually, like, it... It's fabulous. If you lose all of the context and you and you forget all of that yeah. and just yeah. and just go and watch it on YouTube, uh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. amazing. But isn't it funny how those kind of things influence you? So then the next time there's a World Cup or something like that, you look for that guy, don't you? You look for that key because you're like, oh, it's, I mean, my God, the stories that you could tell or that you could find out about the Colombian team as well, especially that kind of era is incredible, really. But yeah, those are those little things. But you remember Higuita playing mm. against um, Cameroon? And he tried to dribble out and Roger Miller took the ball off him and scored. And scored. An empty net. I don't See, even remember no, that No, I haven't one. seen that one. But I'm going to go and watch. I don't want to ruin it. I don't yeah, want to ruin yeah, his legacy yeah, in my mind. <laughs> uh, question, who got um, Maradona's shirt after that game? <laughs> who got Maradona's Steve Hodge got Maradona's shirt. Steve Hodge. Now, now, <laughs> now, it was incredible. Because for years and years, it's now in the museum. No one knew how Hodge got Maradona's shirt. Because after the game, listen, I was just delighted to have played. Now, the old British Bulldogs... Terry Butcher and Peter Shilton. Maradona's a cheat. Let's get off the pitch. Let's not talk to him, all that kind of stuff. You know what the old boys are like. I love Maradona. But anyway, so we didn't exchange shirts. We stormed off the pitch because we were so disgusted. I was kind of like hoping to get a little picture of Maradona. But when Peter Shilton and Terry Butcher, we're off. I said, okay, then let's go. So I got off the pitch. So no one thought about shirts. No one thought, you know, 
an hour later, some Argentina shirts came in. I got the number four on Article 2, but no one swapped shirts. So no one knew how Steve Hodge got married on a shirt. I was watching the game again, probably about 15 years ago. This is like 20 years after the game. And after the game, we all ran off the in disgust because all the Argentina fans came on the pitch. Mm. All of the Argentina fans came on the pitch. So we ran off. We're in the dressing room. And as I'm watching this game, thinking about the game, not thinking about Maradona on the shirt, Maradona is on the shoulders of about 10 Argentinians with hundreds of Argentinians around him. On this picture, as I'm watching it, the documentary, out of the blue, you see Steve Hodge push his way in between all these Argentina fans, <laughs> takes his shirt off, Maradona's on somebody's shoulders, and he looks up at him and he goes, have the shirt, Maradona looks down at him, not a got a clue who he is, just takes his shirt off and gives it to Hodge. <laughs> That's wicked. That is amazing. <laughs> and I love that because Hodgie's not talking about he cheated, blah, blah, blah. He yeah, said, yeah. I want Maradona shirt. I want his shirt. I'm going to get his shirt. Amazing is that? Never mind we've lost and he handballed it. Never mind that. Yeah. What a story, though. Because it's so symbolic as yeah, well, isn't it? For now? me, like... just because I'm putting my mind frame, if I played against John Barnes, I'm getting his shirt. I swear down. Like, there's no two ways about it. However no the game materialises, however it pans, I'm like, listen... Look, I know whatever happens, we'll bitch at the moment, but I know <laughs> what I want for me. So when I'm saying, I think, oh, but did you get your shirt? That's what it is. John, did you ever say no to anyone that wanted your shirt? Oh, no, because I, I, I don't, in fact, I don't, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't keep shirts. And if somebody wants my shirt, I don't need to swap with the best player because I may be the best player. Anybody comes to subs. And an interesting story about swapping shirts was actually the 1996 Cup Final because I, I, I think I got Clayton Blackmore's shirt. Um, and Neil Ruddock got Cantona's shirt. Oh. So if you watch Harry's Heroes, us, me and Neil used to go and do these talks for fans and stuff like that. And Neil Ruddock tells this story about Cantona's shirt. So, of course, he sold Cantona's shirt for £14,000 and then it went into the museum. So when it went into the museum, um, the museum was, and Neil's telling this story to the fans. You know, we're going to talk to fans and, you know, so it's, a, it's a, an evening with Neil and John. Yeah. Yeah. And he's telling this story about Cantona's shirt and he said, when I got Cantona's shirt and I sold it to the museum because I was having hard times, he said uh, the museum tried to say it's not Cantona's shirt because it was short, long sleeves and Cantona played short sleeves. So he said I had to show them the picture of Cantona in the cup final with his, with his, um, with his long sleeves. And they're asking him how he got Cantona's shirt. Neil Rolf wasn't even playing. He was dropped <laughs> from the team. And, and so he tells the story that Barnsley gave me Cantona's shirt. Yeah, that's how I had Cantona's shirt. And as we're sitting down, this is 20 years later, as we're sitting down, I'm thinking... I don't remember giving you Cantona's shirt, but he's so used to telling this story that Barnsley gave me Cantona's shirt. I've sold it to the museum. It's 14 grand. He just remembered all of a sudden and he went, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, he says, okay, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. He said, what happened was I wasn't even playing. Yeah. <laughs> After the game, I must have swapped Cantona's shirt. So of course I just put it in my bag in the Wembley changing room and I've gone to the, to the showers. Neil Ruddock said, I looked at your bag and I saw Cantona's shirt and he goes, I'm having that. No. So he took... He took Cantona's shirt and put Clayton Blackmore's shirt in my bag. Yeah. So after the game, after the game, I've come out and I'm not even thinking about shirts. So I've just gone, oh, I've got Clayton Blackmore's shirt. He stole Cantona's shirt from me. Oh, snap. <laughs> he wasn't even playing. That is So amazing. I said, I got 200 quid for Clayton Blackmore's shirt. He got 14 grand. Got yeah. Have you asked for your cut yet? <laughs> There's a good seven grand with your name on it, probably. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on because um, no one can have a conversation with you and, and talk about your, your history in the game without mentioning World in Motion. Are you fed up of it yet? <laughs> What year are we? When was that, 1990? That was in, was it 1990? 1990. Look, yeah, 1990. look, yeah, you, know, you tell that story about Higita. Yeah. You tell the story about Higita and it's a great story. The football song, and I'll tell you the true story about the football song. One, two, three. There's six people who did the song. 
because we did an album in 1986. Yeah, Viva España, Tulips in Amsterdam. This is for the World Cup in 86, which was number 90 in the charts. No one bought it. So in 1990 <laughs> came along and Bobby Robson said, you're going to go and um, do the song, do a song. The players remember 1986 and they were like, well, this song's going to be, we didn't know it was going to be with New Order or group. We thought it was going to be a typical arms around each other. Here we go. Here we go. And they thought, well, we're not turning up to do that song. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be ridiculous. Secondly, we had to go up. When you play for your, for England, say in, in, in before the World Cup, any friendly match, you play for your club on a Saturday, you meet up with England on Sunday, you train Monday, Tuesday, play Wednesday. Players hated meeting up on Sunday with England because, of course, that's the day to go to the pub in the old days. So we hated meeting up. So when Bobby Robson said, you don't have to meet up with us, you just go and do the record, the players thought, well, the record's going to be crap. We don't have to meet up, so we're going to go to the pub. So me, Gaza, Peter Beersley, Chris Waddle, Des Walker are the only players and Steve McMahon who went to do the song. The rest of the players went to the pub. When we actually got there, we saw it was New Order and Keith Allen. We thought, oh, well, the song's going to be okay. So we did the song. Of course, when it got to number one, you saw everybody on the video. Bobby Robson, they're all on the video, but they didn't do the song. They didn't do the song. So that's the story of the song. Now, the story of the money for the song is important because the agent came to us. You don't get, you don't get paid. You get paid well as a footballer, don't get me wrong. But when you played for England, you just got an appearance fee. You got paid very well for your club, so there's not much money. But how you made money for England is when you're in the World Cup, there's a player's pool and a lot of money comes into the pool through videos, through all kinds of stuff, and then you share it out amongst yourself. So the agent came to us and he said, right, you've got a choice for this song. He goes, you can have royalties or you can have £5,000 to share between the 25 of you to go into the pool to share. So you had a committee of Peter Shilton and Brian Robson and Terry Butcher, the big experienced ones. I was a bit young, so I wasn't on the committee. And they said, do royalties mean if you don't sell one record, you make no money? He goes, yeah. He goes, we'll take the five grand. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was number one all over Europe for like six months. I think we made the wrong choice. Oh, <laughs> what, a, what a crap committee. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? And then in 2014, they were going to re-release the song because the royalty laws changed that if you featured on the song that I did as, as, as a rapper, I would get royalties. <sighs> Because the royalty laws changed, but it's not retrospective to 1990. Yeah. But it's, it's, when the royalty laws changed in 2010, if they played it again. So 2014, they were going to re-release the song. And I was thinking, yes, please do, please do. Yeah. But Peter Hook and Bernie Sumner from New Order don't get on with each other, so they couldn't. And then when they were going to do it, they were going to get Tiny Temper to do my flipping rap. What? Like, oh, that? No. no. We can't have that. No, Tiny's very good, but that rap is more a rap like an American. Hey, you got a whole yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. grime and, 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 and a really? London accent. That, don't, that wouldn't go with it. It wouldn't have been accepted either. People, nah, people don't want to hear that rap. It's It's a Barnsley rap. It's a Barnsley rap. It's a funny accent rap. That is amazing. Um, I've got a, a, a note here that says, have you heard how Dominic Calvert-Lewin's dad celebrated his England call-up? And actually, I haven't heard it. Have you, have you guys I heard? literally just got told about it today. Um, I haven't seen it, but I just got told about it. Yeah. What is it? Uh, you don't know. Barnsley, you don't know how he celebrated I don't know at all. I thought so, you were going to say Dominic Cummins for a second when he said Dominic. Oh, no, Sorry. No. So basically, he It was rapped, a seven-hour interview. He rapped, <laughs> he rapped the whole world in motion to no his son way. yeah to celebrate he, he, he wrapped the whole thing so supposedly he went out there he was so gassed so excited so you got to hold it on <laughs> and hit it at the right time he was just dropping for that you should do alright Calvin's getting paid but yeah you should do bro alright <laughs> let me ask you a question though so okay so I can remember that I can remember clubs doing songs for finals and yeah. that. do you feel that they clubs now modern day footballers <laughs> could be able to go and do the same thing that Yarlot did back in the day? 
No, because of course we were quite self-effacing and we were quite drunk when we did it, which isn't a problem. <laughs> so therefore, you know, we used to have a laugh. And when we did the Anfield ref, for example, we got dressed up as rappers and got drunk. We did it in a nightclub from two o'clock in the afternoon. You're too young to remember a rapper called Derek B from, from mm. London. I don't know if you remember Derek yeah, B. Yeah, no, I don't He's know. Died now. But he, he, he did it and we had a laugh. And then the nightclub opened at nine o'clock at night. So we stayed in the nightclub. We're there from two dressed as rappers. So we had a laugh and a joke and we made fun of ourselves. Modern players aren't going to do that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't think footballers should do a serious song. Why New Order was a good song and it worked was because it was a proper group. He did a proper song. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, song yeah. we did in the past was just, you remember Tottenham with Ozzy Ardine. It's just having a laugh and a joke. So you have yeah. to make, you have Alice. to not be afraid to look stupid. Yeah. And I don't think modern players now would be comfortable doing that. They'd get slaughtered as well, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, because you're a meme, innit? Like, yeah. you know, I don't know why. Like, you're but, a meme. but why? And if they got slaughtered, so what? It's a laugh. It's yeah. a joke. Do you know, so, you know, it's not, it's no, but you know what? Media, it's not even it? that. Do you know, let me tell you what I think is, and listen, you had it in your day as well, but I just think that they would switch it somehow. Mm. It would get switched that, oh, you see, they should concentrate on football and for some reason take yeah. it away from, and that's the one thing about footballers. They feel like you put football in front of any title, we're no longer humans. And I think that's what then becomes yeah, now true. in the sense that's where, true. oh, raw, look, as soon as he has a bad game, bad period, it's like, yeah, that's because he flipping did that track. And it's yeah. like, oh, and I think yeah. that's the insane reason why they're worried about being slaughtered. Yeah, the big difference, the big difference is that when we played, never mind if you're a superstar, Gaza, um, you know, Ian Rush, we were part of the community. So therefore, we used to go out in the community. Yeah, yeah. Probably a bit too much till three o'clock in the morning, mixing with them too much. But in terms of being part of the community, and if you went out and got drunk, if you went out and had a fight, you're a normal person. That's what happens. And yeah. if somebody's going to come into you, so therefore, you weren't judged um, adversely if you were not in, in terms of not being like a normal person. Yeah, 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 Whereas yeah. now we look at footballers and they're from the community, so why shouldn't they be exactly. with their mates and act like they're part of the community? Exactly. Why do they think they're something special? Yeah. And because we've put this pressure on them to be the other, footballers actually act accordingly. But I, I have time for footballers who will go on and, and, and do stupid things that a 21-year-old or 21-year-olds do, as long as within reason, without judging them as if they should be something special and apart from a normal 21-year-old growing up in their community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. All right, I want to know, because you see Maradona close up and you played with Gascoigne. How different or the same were Gascoigne and Maradona? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, Maradona is the greatest ever. I mean, there's no one close to... I mean, Gaza was a great player, don't get me wrong, fantastic. But in terms of, when you talk about Diego Maradona, you look at Platini, Van Basten, Hulit, you look at all the second best players in the world and they weren't anywhere near Maradona. Oh. Maradona, for me, was unique. He played at a time when, you know, unless he broke your leg, he's on a free kick. Yeah. yeah? So therefore, you have to be strong. Uh, I would love to play now. And, and listen, he would have adapted to now. Messi and Ronaldo would adapt if they played back then. Yeah, because yeah. now, if you touch them, they're going to go down for free kicks. Mm -hmm. You can't kick them. And you can't say if they're playing back then, they would be the same player. Because they would have been a product of their environment, which meant yeah, that they would have been resisting challenges and they would have been strong. Whereas the, the laws are different now. But I love to see Maradona playing now, whereby when you get the ball, a player can't even tackle you. Mm. He can't even kick you. Yeah. Because when you're trying to break Maradona's leg, you're trying to push him over. Pushing him over, you're not going to get a free kick. means that he played at a difficult time for an attacking player. An attacking player now has it so easy because, you know, the, 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 you can't be tackled. You don't have to worry about getting injured. I watched that documentary, the Maradona documentary, and I couldn't believe it. The amount of like the amount he was chopped down and, and found. It was awful. And if you think about it now, like you're right. If if Grealish is the most wins the most fouls, is the most fouled player, 
Maradona would be miles above him even. Oh, yeah. like, Grealish is like yeah, clear of, of other yeah. players in the Premier League. Maradona would be so far up there, wouldn't he? It would be incredible. I'd love to see him play now. Um, yeah. Right, Euros. I'm, I'm going to quick fire question you now. So who's going to win? France. France is going to win. Uh, did you think as well in their opening game, they were just sort of second gear? It was like, well, this is all right. And that was against Germany. Well, I don't think they were second gear, but they were very confident in the fact that Germany will have a lot of possession, but they can't hurt us because we're so solid. Yeah, mm. I think if they hadn't scored, it could have been nil-nil. But it's just that they're not going to concede because they're just so solid defensively. And that is how you win tournaments, mm. by not conceding goals. What's the score going to be against Scotland this Friday, England-Scotland? If everything remains equal and England players where they, where they can, it could be a lot of goals. But I think that Scotland will come and defend well and not want to lose heavily. So I, I would go for a 2-0 to England. Right, have you got a soft spot for Scotland because you managed um, yeah, in Scotland? Celtic. I have a soft spot for the underdog. Because, you know, I believe if a team has um, good togetherness and good belief and good spirit, like when Leicester won the league, you don't have to be superstars to win. That comes from a Watford days. And you played with, you, you know, you played on a Kenny. So, you know, what Kenny's all about yeah. the team. And I don't believe that you need to have the best players to win. As Liverpool never necessarily had the best players when they won the league. So I like the underdog to show that if you work hard and you have like belief that. and togetherness, as well as good players, you can compete. Mm. So the I like way. the underdog. That's the way. I like that. That's the Wickham way. I like that answer. Yeah. What about the score against the Czech Republic last group game? I think that's going to be a most difficult match because they're also big and physical. You look at Suchek, you look at some of the players at West Ham and they're, they're a good side. You, 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 can, you can see that against Scotland that they're a good side. So I would, I think England, I think I will go for a draw in that one because I think if England win the two games, he may make a few changes and give people a chance so he won't play strongest team. So I think that could be a draw. OK, player of the tournament so far. We haven't seen that much football, but who's impressed you the most? Um, player of the tournament so far. It's difficult if you've only played one match, but of the teams that have played, I love the Italian centre-backs. You know, I like the old boys. So I think they're right. nearly as old as they're nearly as old as the big man sitting there with you. And they're still playing pretty Killini and Manucci. He's old, man. Like... Pogba has played. Pogba's done really well. You know, I think that he plays so well for France. I think he plays with a different attitude for France, whereby he's much more committed to the team and just playing as a team member rather than trying to be the superstar as he does for Man United in competition with Fernandez to be skillful and to do tricks. But in, but I have to say, um, my favourite is Kante. So I'll, I'll give it to Kante. Yeah, Kante. Everyone likes Kante. So joyful, He's the next one I need to meet. So good. Um, okay, right. We're going to do your... This is combined. So this is your combined Euro 2020 Super Six Aside team, the ultimate. So we're going to hand over to you. Have you had a chance to think about it? Was this was this hard or is this fairly straightforward to pick a, the ultimate? Well, when people ask me to pick a five-a-side team, I always pick a team with a good balance that I think can actually win a tournament. Because mm. if you're going to pick a five-a-side team, you put Messi and Ronaldo and Kane and Ford, you just pick all the best players. Mm. But I pick a team that can say, this can play as a team. And I think in a small pitch, which is what five-a-side is, as much as you may have John Stones and Kimpemba and Varane, who are quick and in a big pitch, they can use your pace to get out of trouble defensively. On a small pitch, you just need solid defenders. So my, my goalkeeper will be Donnarumma, the Italian goalkeeper. Nice. Okay. The, I'll play two defenders. And on a small pitch, whereby because they haven't got much pace and they can't get exposed in wide positions and they don't have to run too much, put them in front of the goal, they'll defend. Bonucci and Chiellini, oh, them, they will not concede. That, that back he would not concede. In midfield, I would have Kante and Phillips uh, because they will not only protect the back four, but Kante's got good energy to get forward and Phillips can also do that. And up front, I would have Harry Kane. That's a great I was going to put Kylian Mbappe, but I know people are going to say we're the Englishmen, so um, I would put, I would put no, King, uh, Harry Kane up front. Yeah, Phillips is in there. You're Phillips right. Yeah, there, that's so. fine. Phillips is in there. All right, so, if Phillips is in there, I'll put Mbappe. Oh, because when you talk about someone who, of anyone in world football, 
I don't think anyone will, but someone who could be the next Ronaldo and Messi, I don't think anyone ever will again because I think football has changed. Yeah, the individual, yeah. you're not going to get two individuals like that. But if there is one, I would have Mbappe as that one. So you can put him up front by himself and with his pace and his skill, um, he could terrorise people on his own. I mean, so that's, Mbappe. That's very solid. decent. That's very like, decent team. That, that is solid. That is solid. So let's just go over it. So the Euro 2020 Super Six Aside team for John Barnes is Gianluigi, Donnarumma in goal. Then you've got Bellucci and Chiellini. So much experience It's a small in pitch. It's, it's a, a small, small pitch. pitch. Yeah. Oh, see, this is, yeah. He's right. meticulous. You see how he fought? That's yeah. a small pitch. Kante and Phillips uh, in midfield and then solid. Mbappe up front. That's brilliant. That is solid, mate. Excellent. That's solid. Uh, John Barnes, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting to us for so long. Not and at all. Not and at I've, all. I've genuinely never seen you like this, by our right, let, me, let me say this, yeah. <laughs> no, let me, uh, listen, let me just finish it. Don't like say this. when you were young again. We're not you no, young. No, no, not even, when I'm not going to say when I'm young. I'm over, listen, <laughs> in my life, I've met a lot of people. Like, I'm, and I'm not dropping names, like, you know what I'm saying? But I will drop, like, you know, me and The Rock, we kick it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't want to drop names, but, you know, AJ. You know what I'm saying? There's two people in this world that I was like, I have to tick off my list. That's Will Smith and John Barnes. And I've met John Barnes. Like, John Barnes, it was like, he was the ultimate. So, Bob, I'm gassed, yeah? What's the day? The 17th. Well, you yeah, yeah. a game for Liverpool. Me and you go and watch Liverpool play because I know that's your team. Yes, oh. yes. You see what, that? And I've got him on camera here. Starts, you can come up. Remind me, you can come up and we go and watch a game. All right, it's time. Have a little night out in Liverpool. Aye, right, come on, Gigi. All right, we've all got this as well. All right, listen, real talk now, real bars. Thank you for coming on. Pleasure, honour. Um, Thank you very much. Nah, bless it's a pleasure, guys. Thanks Thank for that, my brother. Thank you, Jim. All the best. Nice. Thank you. So, John Barnes, you've done it. You've ticked it off. Ticked it off. Amazing. It was cool, you know. He it was, was cool. It was cool. Very was cool. cool. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. I like all the stories that come out. Yeah. Do and you know, know, know the thing is, he's, he don't seem like he's filtered. So he yeah. just he, he says it how he says it. So, yeah, yeah. So you model more than just your game on him. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. Well, me, I'm filtered, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, guys, uh, we're going to do our Euros round, Super 6. So basically, in the previous round, eight people were in with a chance to win the jackpot before the Scotland-Czech Republic game. Sadly, none of them predicted the correct score, so the money has rolled over. More money rolling over. So make sure you download the Super 6 app. If you haven't already, you can create an account and you can play for free by predicting the scores of six chosen Euro 2020 matches and you could win the jackpot of £200,000 and a reminder if no one wins it this week rolls over to next week and it goes up to £300,000 so a lot of money um, right we've got your predictions we're going to go through these really really quickly Hungry France 2-0 <laughs> France 2-0 France I'm going to go for that one I'm going to go more I'm going to say France 3-0 okay Portugal Germany oh oh Oh, Germany need to win. Portugal finished strong. Uh, Ronaldo's there. I'm going to say 1-1. I'm going to say 2-1 Portugal for that one. Okay. Spain, Poland. Spain, Poland. Um, they drew 0-0. Spain need to win. I'm going to say 1-0 Spain. I was going to say that too. I'm going to stick with it. 1-0 Spain. Sweden, Slovakia. Oh, I know a lot about the Sweden and the Slovakian team. I know a lot about them, so I'm going to say 1-1. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you've influenced me now. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say a Sweden win, and I'm going to say it's going to be tight as well, 1-0. Okay. Croatia, Czech Republic. Oh, oh that's a good game. Um, 
I'm going to say Czechs need to win. I'm going to say Czechs win 1-0. I'm going to say the Czechs win as well because I wasn't that no, impressed No, no, no. Sorry. Croatia. I'm going to say Croatia win 1-0. Are you? I'm okay. going to say Croatia win 1-0. I'm going to stick with what I'm saying because I think Sufal, Suček, I love West Ham and I love watching them play and I watched them quite carefully as early the other day. So I'm going to say Czech Republic are going to win that one. I'm going to say it's 2-1. Okay. Am I really saying that? Yeah, I've said it. No, no. I don't think it's... I think it's yeah. either way. I think it's going to be tight both yeah. games. England, Scotland. Do you know what? I think England's going to win 2-0. I think it's going to be pretty comfortable. I'm going to say 7-0. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just doing it to wind you up. Ali McCoy, so you're going to jump with you for that now. I'm going to say, genuinely, um, they had so many chances in that last game, didn't they? And they just couldn't put it away. So I'm going to say England, 2-0. What did you say? 2-0. 2-0 as well. Yeah, there we go. We're not that different. I know. Okay, guys, uh, that is it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. A big thanks to Bio's absolute hero, Jay. Yeah, yeah, JB. Oh, <laughs> Where are you going to watch the game then in your little man cupboard? Yeah, yeah, so I've got the fellas coming <laughs> man over. Man cupboard. Man cupboard, like a cupboard could fit me, but I'm gonna, I've got the fellas coming <laughs> over. Come in, quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> little man cave. We could have a daiquiri. I don't know about oh. that, you know what I'm saying? So roll that, but I'm looking forward to that, and you're going to go to the game. I'm so. going to go to the game. Aren't we going to get a daiquiri now? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go get it. We're going to go, go, go do it, people. We've been saying it. Bradley Dakoff. Oh, Bradley Okay, guys, just a reminder, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button as well. Come on, England. Come Let's on, go England. for it. All at Wembley this Friday. See you guys very soon. All right, take care. Peace.